Hello everyone, I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. Welcome back, queens. We have two powerhouses from Peak Mind. Today, we have April Seifert, who is a PhD, a social cognitive psychologist, life design strategist, (laughs) and serial entrepreneur. She's an endurance athlete and certified skydiver, and she's passionate about helping women make the most of their one life by creating a full and vibrant life experience. Ashley Smith, PhD, is a licensed clinical psychologist and entrepreneur who specializes in anxiety and related conditions. She runs cognitive behavioral therapy, positive psychology practices, and applied neuroscience to help others live happy, fulfilling lives. Ashley and April founded Peak Mind, the Center for Psychological Strength, in 2019. Their mission is to make information, tools, and techniques from the fields of psychology and life design easily accessible so that everyone who wants to can thrive. Welcome, April and Ashley. So excited to have you on. Can you tell us a little bit about each one of your unique backgrounds and how this shaped your areas of interest? Sure. First, let me say thanks, Becca. We're excited to be here and to be talking with you. This is Ashley. And my story in a nutshell is I have a PhD in clinical psychology, and I specialize in Um, anxiety and related conditions, which means my day job is teaching people uh, how to manage anxiety, understanding how their brains work. So I really like to take that approach of you need to understand the basic neuroscience so that we can, so that's a better way to put it, hack the system. And with that, I think it's really important not just to get anxiety under control, but also to be building a life that you really love. Uh, a life really worth living. So I, I like to promote happiness and well-being as well. So pulling in positive psychology, evidence-based treatment. And on the personal side, I have a really rare degenerative retinal disease that makes me legally and increasingly blind. So I know what it's like to deal with adversity and to face a lot of uncertainty. For most of my life, there weren't even answers or explanations which my vision loss, which also means no information about how it will progress or what the future will look like. From a personal standpoint, I really used my professional skills and also dived a lot into the science of happiness and well-being. And that put me on a path of what eventually led to teaming up with April and forming Peak Mind. So I'll let her introduce herself a little bit and we can talk then about what Peak Mind is and what our mission is. Hey, everybody. This is April, and I met Ashley back in graduate school, as she was talking about. I actually have my PhD in social cognitive psychology, and what's really cool about that is when you're working with both Ashley and I, you're getting a very broad view of sort of the best of the best of the field because you're getting Ashley's side of the coin, which is this clinical 
side of the field of psychology. And then you get my side of the coin, which is on the experimental side of the field. It's been really fun to work with Ashley to combine those two things. I really love helping people understand how their mind works from the perspective of some of the habits and heuristics and involuntary thinking that we do and the degree to which that shapes people's behavior. And it's so much more wide reaching than people realize. Again, similar to Ashley on the personal side, um, I've faced a lot of adversity in my life. I lost my dad at a very young age to cancer, and I've been living with multiple sclerosis, which is another <laughs> oddly very rare uh, condition. Uncertain. Yeah, that's very uncertain. Mm-hmm. I've been living with that for 25 years. And like Ashley, the things that I've done in order to thrive through those experiences are literally the things that I try to advocate for other people to do and to teach within the Peak Mind Center, the work that I've been doing with Ashley. So that's just a little bit about my background. Oh, love it how you two have been able to find each other. And, you know, I've had the pleasure of working with Ashley since she's been in the Kansas City area. And I think that's why gravitating towards her because I, I kind of call myself a neuro nerd and I would soak up everything I would learn from mutual clients with her. And then when you two came together to form Peak Mind, I was like magic. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I've enjoyed collaborating with you too, Becca. But with Peak Mind, what happened was, you know, I mean, like April said, we met back in graduate school, like 2002, I think. So we've known each other for a really long time. And a couple years ago, started to support each other in our separate projects. April was getting into podcasting and I was getting into blogging and it was the, the precursors of this. Hey, there's a need out here. There's a lot of good information and we have a really unique skill set that we want to share. And in supporting each other with those solo projects, we just got really crystal clear on this shared vision and peak mind was the result of that. So we are, really committed to taking information and tools from psychology and a a related field called life design, which is using design thinking strategies to really create a life that works for you. And we are really working on creating resources and using technology to help us deliver it to a, a really wide audience, especially people who are little motivated and willing to do a little bit of work because it's, it's not always easy to build psychological strength, but man, it's worth it. Right. And I think so many people don't understand the, well, we still don't understand it completely, but just the nuts and bolts of how our brain works, like that aha mm-hmm. moment when you explain like how the fight, fight, ah, I can't say it fast, fight, flight, or freeze works in the brain. And then when we're able to process like, oh, that makes perfect sense why that would disrupt my digestion or why physically I have that respond. So can you guys share a little bit more about how those tools work? Um, What could they kind of expect? I know um, in the beginning of the year, there was lots of kind of like the the goal setting. um, And now you guys have shifted and offered a lot of incredible resources around the anxiety with COVID. Um, How can they utilize these tools? Can I jump in really quick? Because I think there, you, you, the way that you set that up was so perfect. It's, you know, you mentioned this fight, flight, or freeze, and that's a really basic, those are such basic, fundamental human responses, right? And one of the very first things that no matter how we're working with anybody, and, and for folks listening to this, something that we want you to really take to heart is that 
many of the responses that we have, whether they are behavioral or psychological, whether they're emotions we're experiencing, all of those things, many of those responses happen purely because, and we like to say it this way for a reason, purely because you are a human being with a brain. You're a human being with a brain that has evolved to do certain things, keep you alive while preserving as much energy as possible. So keep you alive, but in the laziest way it possibly can, Um, keep you out of threats way, um, keep you in line in a very comfortable place, because again, that is a very safe place to be. And so when you think about all of those effects, stuff like our mind's natural tendency to threat seek because it's trying to, again, keep us safe. When you think about those natural tendencies, things like anxiety and some of the probably complex emotions that people have been experiencing lately, all of a the sudden, they what we can do pretty quickly for people is take them from viewing those things from the side of the coin that, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me. I'm not handling this well. I must be weak. I must not be resilient enough. Oh my gosh. We can actually flip that coin over pretty quickly and say, no, be compassionate to yourself. Because the reason why you're experiencing these things is because you're a human with a brain. And that's what brains do. You're doing nothing wrong. There is nothing deficient about you. Rather, you're reacting in a way that we would expect humans with brains to react right now. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be a slave to that. And that's where peak mind and the resources we have come in. But developing that level of self-compassion in the beginning really sets people up to be successful with a lot of the tools that we offer people within the Peak Mind Center. I love the fact that thinking it like that, that's how we adapted and saved ourselves as a species is to look for threats out there So being able to reframe it in kind of a more harmless way and understanding is a good way to be able to adapt and probably minimize that. I love getting into this stuff because one of the biggest things that I see is that people have this mistaken belief that they are in charge, that they are in control of their brain instead of really understanding how much of it happens behind the scenes on a subconscious or below awareness level. And when you know that, all of a sudden, it's a game changer. I, I like to compare it to like the Matrix when Neo takes whichever pill it was, but then his like, eyes are opened and you can see. Um, that's what we want to do is pull back the curtain and say, look, our brains, they're, they're powerful, but they're not sophisticated. And when you know the shortcuts they take and the glitches and the, the biases and the way that they process information, then you have a choice. You can start to do something about it. And it's a lot like understanding how your body works so that then you can build strength and flexibility and endurance and stamina. We're just talking about doing it with a different organ. It's such fun stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So with our current state, you know, this, this virus pandemic that is new to all of us, what are some of the mental health and brain concerns that you two are seeing? They're, they're coming across in a lot of ways. I mean, one, people naturally, we, we tend to react to uncertainty with anxiety, right? Because when it's uncertain, we don't have that sense of predictability. And that sense of predictability gives us a sense of safety. So right now, it's, it's like all of our world, there's snow globes that have been shaken up big time and they're not settling yet. Psychological strength can help 
give you the tools to, to really navigate uncertainty in healthy ways. Because a lot of the time, what people try to do to get that sense of security actually ends up causing more problems. I know we find ourselves talking a lot about balance and juggling routine and work and childcare and teaching kids and, and those multiple roles that are hard enough to juggle on a, on a normal day. But then when they're all being just smushed together, that's been a really big challenge as well as like loneliness and connection. April, what am I missing? No, you're nailing all the really big ones. And, you know, I'm going to kind of link what you're saying back to something that I said about self-compassion. What ends up happening and what we find is a lot of people are just intrinsically, they're decently motivated people. They want to do the right thing. They want to achieve. They want to have a good outcome. But in the circumstances that we're in, because of all the things that Ashley just mentioned, having a great outcome isn't necessarily as easy as it was before, or even as likely as it was before. So added on top of all of that, that Ashley just mentioned is this layer of, and I'm going to, I'm going to go to a word that's going to cause a soapbox, but this layer of should, (laughs) um, it's this layer of should and this layer of expectation that somehow we should be superhuman during this time. And if there's one thing that does not help in a time when you are extremely stretched thin, when you are extremely anxious, when everything is uncertain, it doesn't help to add that extra layer of self-loathing. Like that is not helping anybody get through this better. So that's kind of like the extra layer of mud that I'm seeing (laughs) being added to people during a time that's already really stressful. Oh, you guys are you guys are preaching to the choir. Yesterday, I said to my husband, I was like, I'm doing the same amount of work, maybe even less. And my daughter's been really good, and she's been doing her schoolwork without interruption. But at the end of the day, I feel so exhausted. And I think right. that said it's because we're not meant to juggle all of this all at the same time, and that's kind of what's been put on us. So it's just like, hey, if it's frozen pieces tonight so be it. There's food on the table. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love that April came up with this, um, shared an article, but comparing this COVID business to the marathon or the endurance event that none of us agreed to. And I think <laughs> we've had some really interesting discussions around that. Um, but what I love is like, you know, we're, we're built to handle lots amount of, lots of stress for short periods of time. And now we're hitting weeks and weeks and things are feeling draining and different because we're not intended to carry high stress for long periods. What advice or tips would you have for us right now as we're trying to navigate this? How can we just keep our head above water and not get stuck in that layer of mud? Well, one thing that I'm um, a big advocate of, and I'm going to say a word that just is like, it's going to make my own skin crawl. It'll probably make other people's skin crawl, but I promise I'm using it for a reason and I will get to a useful place. So hang with me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Everybody, I I bet Ashley can guess where I'm going, but everybody preaches about self-care, right? Like, oh, during a time when things are really difficult, this is when you need to practice self-care. And the thing is, they're not wrong necessarily, right? Like we should take care of ourselves. They're not wrong. But where people fall short is what 
is self-care. If you Google it, if you look on Instagram, you see bubble baths and manicures, but I'm sorry, there has never been a manicure good enough that has calmed my racing mind down. Getting a manicure, I've been sitting there basically going through the crazy list of stuff in my mind. Like no (laughs) manicure is good enough. Instead, what we advocate people to do, and Ashley mentioned life design. This is a very life design approach to self-care. You as a human, what are your strengths? Get honest. What are your weaknesses? Where are areas where you tend to fall short? What do you look like when you are at your best, your absolute best? Now, your self-care is what activities, this could be making a list. This could be planning your day. This could be cleaning your kitchen. This could be walling off one part of your house where kids and their crazy tornado of activity do not get to be. It could be any of those things and anything else. What activities need to happen to support your strengths, to bolster your weaknesses, and to make it more likely that you'll show up as your best version of yourself? That's what your self-care is. If a manicure doesn't do it, which for me not even close. Like it is adorably not even close. Um, That's the kind of activities that we encourage people to do. And we've been doing some work with our um, Peak Mind Center members to say, how do we sift through this and get to know you really well, and then set those activities up throughout your day so that you're supported. You're not just taking a random bubble bath because that's what Instagram told you to do. So that's one of my soapboxes, but one of my biggest tips for people right now, like intentional self-care that supports you and who you uniquely are. Love that. I think that's really important. And and I'll throw a plug in. Um, right now, during this time, April and I are doing free workshops twice a week where we dive into, we usually have a theme that we're working on and it's information that, you know, the nuances of how your brain works, but also hands-on exercises or tools or techniques. And we also take Q and a from people who join us and it's completely free right now. It's, we both feel strongly that we want to help and this is the best way that we know how. So it's open to anybody. It's just, if you enroll in our starter pack, which is peakmindpsychology.com backslash starter dash pack. Uh, You get the link to the workshops, which are Mondays and Thursdays at 12 central time. We put all of the replays there too. So if you want to catch some of the past ones where we talked about the brain science of fear, we did a hands-on life design approach to self-care that April was talking about. Um, The dealing with endurance events, the mindset hacks that go there. Uh, relationships and tensions there. So we're covering all of these topics in, in, in an in-depth way with the goal of really helping people build their resiliency because if there was ever a time that we needed it, this is it. Oh, thank you so much for doing that. And we'll be sure to put all those links um, so they can follow and then hopefully join the, the Peak Mind um, group. But I know balance is such a comical word, but how do you all try to navigate um, your performance, your health, your intellect, and taking time for self? And, you know, maybe part of intellect, and I've been an avid reader in this, is just understanding how your brain works and functions for, for you. So how do you two both do this? Well, something we've talked with our members about extensively right now is um, a couple of things. Ashley mentioned the endurance event um, metaphor that we've been using, but it's really helpful. 
Um, because again, the situation we're in right now is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's something that we need to think about in terms of like, it's going to like endurance events ask you to do just that. They ask you to endure. They're not called physical fitness events. They're called endurance events. That's a mental thing. And so in order to endure something that's taxing or difficult for longer than you'd like to, which is the goal of those events to like push you past your limit is you have to get your mindset right. And you have to get your energy expenditure, right? So something we've talked with our members about is people don't realize you show up on the day of doing a marathon and you're in like the best physical, you know, shape you've ever been in. And you get there and your goal is to run at 60 to 70% of your capacity. You're chugging. Like you're not even working hard in the beginning, but your goal is to do that and to hold yourself back and to keep yourself at that point where you are conserving limited energy. So on a micro level, day to day, I want people to think about that. You have a limited energy store guard it in the morning because you're going to need it in the evening and across on a macro level across this entire experience that we're all in guard your energy stores like we've also talked about don't skip the metaphor of don't skip water stops like there's a water stop there for a reason even if you feel like you don't need a drink get a drink meaning during your day if you have like points where you can recharge or take a break, which we would argue you should organize your day around. Don't ever stir not even if, Yeah. Right. Even They're if you feel optional. like you don't need one at that moment, take it because you have a limited energy store and you need to be feeding it in order for it to last this length of time that we're going to be asked to endure. So um, that marathon analogy has just worked really well to explain to people like you're in a taxing situation. You need to take it seriously and think about these things like preserving your own energy. Mm-hmm. And I would add to that some things that I think apply even pre-pandemic just in terms of finding that balance is it, we're back to expectations. So checking those shoulds at the door and really looking at what I, I love um, April used the phrase, well, I can get one human being's worth of stuff done. Um, yeah. I'll it a little bit. But, but we, we need to have realistic expectations about what can I do in a day, given my energy stores, my stress level, my physical health, my motivation levels. I also think taking a few minutes, either the night before or at the beginning of the day, or when you get off track and you're trying to reset, to think about what are my priorities, because otherwise when we just move through the day being reactive, we're putting out fires. And at the end of the day, you're going to look at it and you're going to have glaring holes in your needs, right? Like for a lot of people, it might be self-care or enjoyable activities or exercise that gets shelved to pursue whatever the big urgent thing was that day. And I would argue that it makes sense to really stop and kind of think about, all right, what are my values and what are my priorities and how do I want to spend my time today? Um, budgeting almost like if you had a hundred bucks and you don't want to just blow it on everything, you want to think about where, where do I need this money to go? Time is, think of time the same way. If you've got so many hours, how do you want to spend it? And I do think what I like about back to what you're bringing up is that I do think for human beings to really flourish we need to be hitting different types of things. 
we cannot be all work and no play. Mm-hmm. Humans, humans need play time. We need enjoyable time. We need social time. We need movement. We need sleep. And reframing that to look at it as these are not optional, these are needs so that I can run optimally, I think helps with balance. And that is perfect, especially for the work that I do where we talk about some of the disordered eating patterns and Mm -hmm. how it's kind of that inappropriate use of meeting that person's needs where if they'd stopped at the water station and taken the breaks, regardless if they felt they needed, then a lot of those disordered patterns may go away on their their own and understanding how our brain functions. Exactly. Oh, we could talk about this stuff all day. Thank you guys for coming on. And again, we'll be sure to put the the links on and Queens, be sure to check them out. They know their stuff and um, what better way during this time, maybe to gain some more knowledge about how your brain works. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Absolutely. You guys have a great rest of your week. You You too. too. Bye, Queens. Today's episode is brought to you by Yours Truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as REDS, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, www.beccamacomble.com. Bye, queens. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit for a Queen. Hashtag fit for a queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, queens.